Welcome to the Jesus Never Ran podcast, where we look at slowing down our lives so we can focus on things that truly matter. I'm your host, Matt Kinzera. Let's take a walk. Getting it out there is so painful and awesome and lovely and, oh, when my burn burned down, Paradise of California burned down. So who am I to sit here and complain about my lot in life? There comes a point in time where you just have to milk the damn goat. That's the lion, that's the lion, that's the lion. That's it, man. That's it, bro. This week, we continue in our three-week little mini-series here on how busyness and hurry can drastically affect our lives. This week, we're talking about relationships. Just a reminder that taking care of ourselves is one of the best ways to ensure we can take care of others and our world. Getting the right nutrition is, get this, 80% of your wellness journey. But with busy lives, who has time for a lot of meal planning and prep? And honestly, how do we even know what great nutrition is with all the conflicting information out there? Well, that's where Angie Niska and her team of wellness coaches at Rise Nutrition can help. Now, Rise is an Herbalife Nutrition Club, a place to get a delicious, healthy shake on the go. And I've had them, and they are delicious indeed. It's actually hard to believe that it's good for you. You can also work with a coach to customize a program and take products home no matter where you live. Find Rise Nutrition on Facebook.com slash Rise Menominee. That's Rise with a Z. And you can get all of their info and latest special flavors. And if you're in the Menominee area, stop by to taste it for yourself. To connect, just message them on Facebook or contact Angie at 715-308. 0198 and take a step on your wellness journey. After all, our body is the house God gave us and it's our job to take care of it. Last week we looked at faith and we talked about the difference of operating in how versus operating in what. If you missed that, make sure you check that out. And we talked about how busyness and hurry has really created this system that we all have to practice our faith but it's really a system that doesn't allow us the true ability to take the time and effort and process to really dig in to our faith. This week, we're going to talk about relationships. Now, this is something I'm, I'm really passionate about from a standpoint of it's so obvious in our culture of how this is affecting it. And you could go on and on and on with this one because I think... Boy, if there's one space where busyness and hurry and a lack of time is really affecting our culture, it's absolutely in our relationships. Those relationships can include your significant other. Absolutely. Probably the biggest place where you can find it. Family members, your kids. Those are spaces where busyness is just taking a toll on our relationships. And then even in the workplace, even when we're out just getting a cup of coffee, there's so many spaces that are getting hindered by our desire to just move faster and more efficiently. The first thing I wanna talk about is getting back to the basics. Now, Dallas Willard, who probably is quoted more than any modern author. He has a great quote, which is, the first act of love 
is always the giving of attention. The first act of love is always the giving of attention. And that is so true because you will feel loved, you will feel valued, you will feel heard if the person who is in front of you is paying attention to you. I don't know if you've been in these situations, but I know I have. When somebody comes up to you or you come up to them, you're talking to them, suddenly you notice that their eyes are no longer on your eyes, but they're looking over your shoulder. <laughs> and there's been times when I've had to glance over my shoulder to see if I'm missing something because it seems like the person in front of me is looking right past me. If I'm honest, I see this most in business settings and in church settings. Those are probably the two places that I personally have experienced it the most. And what it feels like out of my own experience, what that feels like to me is it feels like even though I'm standing right in front of you, I am not worth your attention. And if I'm not worth your attention, what are we doing in this moment? It's almost like a formality, like that obvious formality that we have in our culture where somebody says, how are you doing? And they really don't want to know how you're doing because if you launched into how you're really doing, you'd probably take more of their time than they're really willing to give. So if we boil this down to the absolute basics, one of the places where hurry and busyness is affecting our relationships is in the basic place of giving each other eye contact. There is an intimacy, and I say that not just in a romantic way, I say that in a relational way, that there is an intimacy that comes when two eyes meet. I guess I should say four eyes. <laughs> when our eyes meet somebody else's eyes, there's an intimacy that's created. There's a sense of attention that happens there. And at least for that moment, all that is the focus is the two of you. And so eye contact is so important. Because of a lot of reasons, eye contact is getting to be a lost art form. I noticed this when I was teaching music at a local school. I remember walking down the hallways, and this was probably 18 years ago now, and I remember walking down hallways, and the teenagers, because this was a high school, the teenagers that were walking down the halls would always look at the ground, and I thought, boy, there's not much exciting down there, and so I would go out of my way to try to catch as many of their eyes as I could, and if I caught their eyes, what almost immediately followed was a smile because when I caught their eyes, then the second thing that I'd do is I would smile at them and say good morning or good afternoon, depending on what time of day it was. And it was amazing how that tiny act of attention would change their whole demeanor. Now, the other space, and this goes without saying, that affects our eye contact is we're in the age of the smartphone, we're in the age of social media. In order to engage with social media, your eyes go to your phone. And when your eyes are on your phone, they're not available to be connected with somebody else. And so one of the first things that I think we can do in our culture to recapture relationships is just to start by making eye contact. Now, when I'm out speaking with Rachel's Challenge and I'm speaking to teenagers, I do a training session. And in that training session, I give them a way to show kindness to other classmates in their school. And I say, it starts with eye contact, just like I just told you, then move on to a smile. Just like a yawn, a smile is hard not to return. <laughs> so if I smile at you, nine times out of ten, you're going to smile back at me. 
After you get that smile, then a quick greeting is really kind. When you get close enough, maybe a fist bump or a high five, or if you know that person, maybe a little hug isn't out of the realm of possibilities. And in that small interaction, which probably took all of 30 seconds, you possibly changed their whole outlook on that day. They went from kind of downtrodden, possibly, to you just doing something really simple that took a tiny amount of time and it brightened up their day without a doubt. Now you can take that same concept and put it in scope of any other relationships that you have. We lose eye contact in our romantic relationships, even our marriage relationships or if we're living with somebody. It's so easy to take them for granted after a while and we forget to look each other in the eye and that is one of the most beautiful things. That's why in the romantic movies it always starts with this gaze into each other's eyes because there's such intimacy to that. When we're talking to our kids, we talk to our kids as we're walking away from them. Why don't we take the time to stop what we're doing, look them in the eye, and have whatever conversation it is that we need to have with them. When we're talking about how busyness and hurry is affecting our relationships, like anything, we have to start with the basics. And if you want to take one thing from this podcast today, I would recommend starting with making good eye contact, whether it's with your spouse, your kids, your coworkers, or just random people in a coffee shop. And I guarantee you that you will bring light and life to that person in front of you. And that small little act that really doesn't take much time is going to really help whatever relationship that's in front of you. thing that I want to bring up today in this podcast is when you're busy and when you're in a hurry, your timing can really suck. My wife and I, we have an organization and we encourage relationships and we do a lot of work with couples. And we've actually written a song called Your Timing Sucks that we do at some of our events. And it always gets a huge response. We always have more laughter for that one song than almost anything else that we do. And it's not just because the song is pretty funny, but it's because people can see themselves in the verses of the song. Now, here's what we talk about. We talk about one situation, which is absolutely true to, to my relationship with my wife, where you're about ready to go to sleep and then your wife taps you on the shoulder and asks you if you're sleeping yet and then <laughs> goes into this huge, heavy conversation. You know, that's just horrible timing because, you know, I'm half asleep. And then we talk about another time when you're just heading out the door to work and then all of a sudden you drop a bomb, something that needs to be talked about but doesn't have the time or in the middle of birthday parties or, you know, holiday celebrations. It's so easy to get timing wrong. Now, the reason that we get our timing wrong is simply because we don't know when we're going to have that conversation. We don't know if we're going to have time to have that conversation. And so it weighs so heavy on our heart that we want to just get it out of the way because if we don't, we're fearful that it'll never happen. The way to avoid this in all of your relationships is to live with an amount of space in your life with boundaries in your life, with a lot of gaps in your life, and ability to make sure those conversations happen. If we take your marriage relationship or your significant other, what we always recommend when we're doing our couples work is that you 
find time every single day to connect. And then beyond that, you set one hour every week, almost like a business meeting for your relationship, where you talk about schedule, you talk about what's going good, you talk about dreams, ideas, etc. And then another night to go out on a date. So there's some intentional time and there's plenty of space in all of those to make sure some of those big, heavy, important conversations get on the table. So you don't feel like you have to put it on them at inopportune moments because nothing's going to get resolved in those moments because the other person's mind is somewhere else. And so if you get the timing right, you're going to get better results of what you're hoping for in that conversation. Same thing if you have kids. The timing is so important. And as your kids grow up, you you learn to know them more and more and you understand what they need. And I know for my children, I have two teenage girls, I know that they're both very unique but I also know when they are available for a conversation and when they're not available for a conversation. And both situations for each of them is very, very different. And so we have to be careful not to put something on them when they're not ready for it because they're still learning all of this relationship stuff. They're still trying to figure out their place in this world. And so if we screw that up by forcing something down their throats at the wrong moment, it can really screw up that relationship. We can take this to co-workers, uh, wherever you're working at, finding the right time to address whatever issue it is. Now, if something goes wrong and you have somebody that is above you in the hierarchy, if something goes wrong, the worst thing to do is to go storming into their office. The best thing to do is to give them a heads up and say, hey, I am in need of some of your time. Tell them how much time that you need and tell them that you need to talk to them about something that didn't go well so that their mind is in the right space and they're ready for a challenging conversation and their head is in the space where they want to help you out as opposed to where they're just getting you know, blindsided and they don't really have their mind in the right place. So important in the workplace. But even with coworkers, even with people who are equal to you in the workplace, make sure that you think about the right time to address whatever the issue is that you have. And that could be good things or that could be challenging things. But make sure that you at least let your thought process flow through before that. And if you're constantly in a hurry at work, this isn't going to happen. So it's really important even at work to give the space for it. Did you know that right now, even in America, but all over the world, there's people, there's organizations that are trying a 32-hour work week. There's one organization that's even trying a 28-hour work week. In the early studies and statistics that are coming out from these organizations is that not only are they not losing productivity, they're actually increasing productivity because when they're there, they're maximizing their time. They're thinking through how to get what they need to get done efficiently. And so they make time. And sometimes if we feel like we just have all that time, we have 40 hours in the week, number one, it gets kind of to be this routine. But number two, we don't think through our time real great because we just assume we have plenty of it. That's in certain situations, of course. Now, this timing thing can even go into the scope of a coffee shop or a restaurant or a store because if something doesn't go well, if you want a good result, say you bought something at a restaurant, you purchased some food, and there was something that wasn't quite right about it. They didn't get your order right. If you come storming back in there and you have a bad attitude and you just find the first person that you can find and just uh, you know breathe down their throat, it's not going to help. 
Instead, if you have space and time in your life to stand in line, to take your time, to talk to them politely, to make sure you're giving eye contact to them like we already talked about, your result is always going to be better. I did this not too long ago. My daughter actually got a drink at a coffee shop and there was nothing wrong about the drink. She just didn't like it. She never tried it before. She wanted to try something new and she didn't like it so much so that she had no interest in even drinking more than a sip or two of it. And so I just took that back up to the counter and I looked him in the eye and I said, hey, thank you so much for making this drink. We love this coffee shop here. Unfortunately, my daughter just really didn't like it. So is it possible to get something else not only did they not make me pay for the new drink they apologized which they certainly didn't need to do because they didn't do anything wrong and not only did they give her a new drink they gave her a certificate for a drink the next time she came in now i don't know if they would have done that if i was rude to them but all i know is i gave them eye contact i valued them i took the time to explain the problem in a calm manner and the results were spectacular so timing is so important and you won't do it right and you won't do it well if you're too busy or if you're in a hurry So those are just a couple of spaces that I wanted to bring to the table today because there's so many things we could talk about, but I thought these were a couple of unique ones. This idea of attention and eye contact and this idea of timing. They might be a couple of things that you haven't spent a lot of time thinking about. And so that's why I wanted to pick those two things to talk about. But before we finish up this podcast, I want to leave you with five things that my wife Susie and I have come up with that are absolute relationship killers in this area of giving time and attention to one another. And in the scope of timing, these are the five things that we've seen in our years of working with couples specifically that have caused a lot of struggle in relationships. And I think for sure you can apply these to all of your relationships. Number one, we already talked about it, social media. On average, American adults spend two to two and a half hours on social media each day. That is a lot of time. That's a lot of time. That is also the same average of time that married couples spend with each other each day, which is fascinating. So married couples spend an average of two to two and a half hours each day together. And they also spend an average of two to two and a half hours on social media each day. And we wonder why our relationships are struggling. Oh my goodness. Now, social media isn't inherently a bad thing. It's how you use it that matters. And honestly, it's how much you use it that matters. And if we're all honest with ourselves, even myself, most of my time on social media is pointless, time-killing things that we're just skimming through stuff that we honestly don't care about that much. All right, that's number one. Number two, hiding our flaws. We live in a culture that really in so many ways encourages us to hide our flaws and encourages us to look better than we actually are. We've all got flaws. It's okay. We can all admit it. I could sit here on this podcast and name off a whole bunch of them that I have. But if we spend a lot of time hiding those flaws, our attention is going to be more on ourself and less on the person that's in front of you. 
And let me give you a little statistic in this area. There was a study done, and this is specific to women, the study was, but I'm guessing it's the same with men. The study showed that women who spent more time getting ready in the morning, more time putting makeup on and doing their hair, et cetera, in the morning, they found that the amount of time that they did that, that they took to do that, was directly linked to how insecure of a person they were. People who identified as being highly insecure people spent more time getting ready in the morning because they're obviously trying to hide things that they feel are flaws in their lives, whether they are or are not. So that's number two. Number three, and this is huge. Number three is we spend so much time being offended. And so we lose out on relationships because we're offended with one another. Now, I see this obviously in marriage relationships, but I see it everywhere and definitely this is something that our culture is big on it almost encourages us to be offended because it's all about us and if something goes wrong or if some somebody treats us poorly then we should be offended and we should hold that grudge because that's the way that americans live that is the way that people who are miserable live that's the truth forgiveness is an art form that when mastered changes your life Sure, it'll help that person that you were offended by, but more importantly, it's going to help you because when you're not carrying around that weight of bitterness, life is way better. Number four, trying to impress others, another relationship killer. Same idea. You know, a lot of these are kind of linked together, but when we're trying to impress other people, the whole focus is really on us. Even though we're trying to impress somebody else, we're trying to act like something that we often aren't, and that causes all sorts of problems. And we're trying to impress others. We're just not our authentic selves. And I believe so much that God created us unique and wonderful, and all of our uniqueness is what makes this world special. So when we're trying to impress others, so many times we get outside of of the lines of who we truly are and then that's not creating authentic relationships it's creating something false that in the end is going to crumble now the last one and i've caught myself here so many times is being right number five is being right when we spend time trying to be right then our relationships go downhill dr phil who we all know the relationship expert dr phil he said out of all the couples that he's worked with more of them want to be right than want to be happy. <laughs> again, no wonder our relationships are struggling. So again, social media, hiding our flaws, being offended, trying to impress others, and being right. All relationship killers. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. I am so hopeful that you will actually take this seriously and consider how to slow down your life so you can engage better in the relationships in front of you. If you've been enjoying this podcast, make sure that you do a few things for me. Number one, subscribe to it. Number two, rate it. And if you give it a five-star rating, that would mean the world to me, but be honest. <laughs> and number three, write a review. All three of these things helps this podcast get in front of more people. Finally, special thanks to Infinity Beverages for sponsoring this podcast. You can find out more about their incredible offerings of wines and spirits and cocktails at www.infinitybeverages.com. Proud sponsors of Jesus Never Ran and of Dreamers Everywhere. Until next time, keep walking.